Welcome to the Unorthodox Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Friar Tuck, and today is all about blessings. So hold on tight because things might get a little bit bumpy. We can learn a lot from the first teachings of Jesus, some from what he said and some from who he said it to. There needs to be a little bit of staging the scene for you to fully grasp the message Jesus brings. Jesus was a Jewish rabbi, which was a religious teacher during the time of the Roman Empire. The Romans were the military power of the day, and they ruled over the Jewish land of Israel. Israel had spent many years in captivity and were hoping for a great leader to come along and liberate the Jews to its former glory. The Messiah would usher in a new kingdom and Israel would be saved from persecution under the Roman Empire. When Jesus arrives on the scene talking about a new kingdom, people were hopeful that he was the one they were waiting for. So what did Jesus have to say about this new kingdom and about how it'll be established? We begin with the first recorded teachings of Jesus from a book written to share the wisdom of his teachings. It says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Before we dive headfirst into this crazy text, I want to take note of who Jesus is talking to and who he is not talking to. It begins by telling us Jesus was by a mountainside in the wilderness. This is where the common people lived, not the big city of Jerusalem. Already we run into a contrast of Jesus' message to the other rabbis of his time. Most of the time, rabbis taught in the synagogues of Jerusalem or in large towns that were around it. If they weren't teaching in the synagogues, they were praying in the streets for all to hear. Being a rabbi was a little bit like being a superstar. Crowds followed them, invited them to eat in their house, and they would throw large gatherings, and they would give them money to get special prayers or special visits. Jesus was not in the city or in a synagogue. He was in the countryside trying not to be a superstar. So Jesus begins with some strange words saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now this passage has a lot of translation problems and is used nowhere else in scripture. Another book called Luke only says, Blessed are the poor. So we aren't really sure which version is most accurate. Both say something profound that I think extends to our lives today. People have always equated wealth with God's blessing. If God is happy with you, then you are gifted with money, with land, maybe servants, power, whatever. If God is mad at you, then you get famine, poverty, enslavement. This was the prominent message of Jesus' day. So this is why the rabbis spent their time with the wealthiest people in the big cities. Today, our cultures are very different, but the concept remains the same. If I were to be completely honest, I think this way sometimes myself. When things are good, I feel like God is pleased. But when things are bad, I start to wonder if God is mad or if I've done something wrong. Jesus taught something totally different on the hillside that day. He said, blessed are the poor, and then added, for they are the ones who will receive the kingdom of heaven. That is a stark contrast to the message of the day. Surely the ones who God wants are the rich, not the poor. But that's not what Jesus said. He said the poor are the ones who will receive God's kingdom. What does Jesus mean by this? 
Is he trying to say that only the poor will go to heaven? No. Jesus is far more interested in character than he is in material things. When you are poor, you live basically day to day. These common people got up each morning, went out to work, and collected enough to provide food for the day. They fished, or they farmed, or they traded goods for food. They lived off the land and the generosity of others. When there was a dry season, no one ate grain, and when the fish were scarce, people had to eat other types of meat. To be poor means you must trust God to provide you with what you need to survive. There's no savings account to fall back on. There's no unemployment or disability. If you couldn't work, you had to beg. Now, I know what you're thinking. This doesn't sound like a blessing at all. This is where the kingdom of God flies in the face of normal life. Jesus is saying to understand how to live the kind of life God created us to live we must live as if we trust God to provide everything we need for our daily life. We talked a little bit about this in our discussion on Abraham and his faith. Our trust is that God loves us and will give us what we need for each day. How is this a blessing? Think about the amount of stress in our lives over financial things. How depressed people are trying to find meaning in things that have no meaning. How lost people are trying to find their purpose in life by what they do. The Garden of Eden story reminds us that we were created to live in the reality that God cares for us, gives us everything we need for life, and knows what's best for us. It's only when we decide to take control that death and destruction sneak in. When we live in God's reality, we find life, love, and peace, which is the kind of kingdom God wants to bring. This is why the poor are more ready to receive it. They have no choice but to depend on God for survival. Does this mean wealthy people can't live in this reality too? Well, I think this question is answered by Matthew with his version of the teaching. Matthew adds poor in spirit, which softens the blow for the wealthy so that they don't think they are excluded, but he goes further to the heart of the message. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Well, in our language, we have two problems with this translation. We can read this like we say, I will be there in spirit. That would turn the passage into blessed are those who at least act like they are poor or think like the poor. It's not exactly what Jesus is saying. The other interpretation, which is more popular in religious circles today, translates it to mean more like blessed are those who understand that they are lacking spiritually and need a savior to fill them with his spirit. I don't think this is quite what Jesus is trying to say either. It just doesn't fit into the rest of the passage. So what is Jesus trying to say when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit? The word spirit in Greek, which is the language that the oldest manuscripts of the Bible are written in, is pneuma. Pneuma was used in a variety of ways for meaning breath, to be inspired, the essence of someone, and a spiritual force like a demon or spirit of God. Maybe Jesus is saying that the kind of people who find themselves living in the kingdom of God are those who live dependent on God for everything, including the very air they breathe. That God makes up the very essence of who they are. To be poor in spirit takes the monetary dependence further to say that we are dependent upon God for everything, including who we are at the deepest level of our soul. The blessing comes in the freedom and release of your worries, stress, and illusions of control. We get a small taste of it when we go on a real vacation. 
When we put aside work and simply enjoy the simplicity of life, that relaxed feeling is what God wants you to have all the time, even when you're working. Can you really live this way if you're wealthy? Of course you can. It might not come as naturally, but the kingdom of God is for everyone. In fact, God loves using those who have extra in life to provide for those who are in need. Remember the words of John, who was baptizing people and telling them about the coming kingdom of God. People asked what they must do to be a part of this kingdom. John said, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. In this way, the wealthy are able to taste the kind of love that God has for us when he provides. When you give from the extra, you enter that level of trust that says, I could save for the future and be worry-free when I retire, but I trust God with my future and my today, and I want to love others right now. So I will bless others with what God has blessed me with in abundance. This is kingdom living. Jesus continues with another odd teaching saying, blessed are those who mourn. Again, this doesn't feel like a blessing at all. So what could Jesus be saying? Let's start by asking some quick questions. First off, what is mourning? Do you mourn for strangers or do you mourn for people you are close to, people you care about? Mourning, once again, is a heart thing. Those who are broken from a loss are the people who felt loved or gave love. It shows that they genuinely cared for someone other than themselves. As the saying goes, it is better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. Risking grief and loss to experience love is far better blessing than to be hard and closed off to the world. Jesus says that those who grieve or mourn will be comforted. This comfort, once again, lies in a loving God who understands the pain, but also can bring healing and peace to that pain. Living in the kingdom mindset trusts that God cares for our loved ones even more than we do and is bringing them to live in, as we call it, a better place. Some might even call it heaven, but who knows what that even means. That's something I leave to God to figure out. These three things are the first ideas that Jesus wanted people to know about the kingdom, the way of living that God created us to live. A. It is for everyone, not just the rich and powerful. B. God wants us to live a life of faith, trusting that God will provide all we need for life and love. And three, genuinely care about others in your life, risking the pain of loss, knowing that God has life and death under control. Basically, God's kingdom of love is for everyone. So trust your life and death to this loving God. Easier said than done, of course. Trusting God while facing the Roman Empire, who will kill anyone who lives in opposition to its way of living, while also navigating the religious people who will shame you or kill you for even thinking outside the religious norm, is difficult. Trust is hard, and we all have been hurt before by those in power or those who come in the name of God. Like I said in the beginning, living in God's reality often flies in the face of the current norms. This is why it is called faith. So, may you find blessings in genuinely caring for others while trusting God with the very core of your being. May you find that blessing both here on earth and in whatever comes after, because whatever happens here, love wins.